Oh, there we go. Hey, good morning, everybody. Happy Friday. Happy flannel Friday to you. Thank you for being here. This is just human number 160. And I have a ton of information that I want to tear through. Um, I am behind on the amount of information that I wanted to present this week. There's been so much news this week. And I promised you guys a bonus hour. Obviously, I didn't do that. Um, some stuff came up. So I owe you a bonus hour or a bonus show this weekend. At some point, I've got to make some time and do some extra hours or else I'm going to fall so far behind on all the news. There's so much to cover. And there's a lot of things that I think are really important, at least in my opinion. And I, I want to present them. So today I have a bunch of stuff lined up. We're going to try and tear through it really quick. Um, I hope you got your nerd hats on because we're going to get into some legal documents, some uh, an indictment, and we're going to we're going to tear through a Dawson thread that is epic. Um, there's a lot of stuff. Last night, I had planned that uh, I was going to record an hour last night, um, a bonus hour last night, release it late last night, and something came up. And I'm glad that this, I'm glad it did. I'm glad that this happened. Um, I was at the grocery store doing a late night milk and bread run. And my friend Johnny sent me a message and said, yo, we're having some trouble getting abs on. Would you be interested in jumping in and filling absolute 1776 spot? Cause he's having computer trouble. And I was like, yeah, when I get home, let's, let's see if I can help you guys out. I'll go on your show. I always like going on the EQ chamber. And right as uh, I got home and got set up to join them, Absolute got his computer fixed or at least working. And um, me and Absolute joined Diddy and Johnny for an episode of EQ chamber. So if you guys are interested, if you like, if you like my content, you like Absolute, you like Johnny and Diddy, we all did a show together last night and we just, Talked about some stuff that was in the news and just had a had a great chat. Um, I really enjoyed being on, and I really enjoy talking to these guys always. It was fun to be on a program with my friend Absolute. And so, if you're interested, search EQ Chamber over on Rumble or on Foxhole, and it's their most recent episode. Um, we went like two hours, I think. I think it was supposed to be like an hour, hour and a half, but we went two hours. Um, which I'm if you don't stop. If you don't stop me and Absolute from chatting, it will go six hours. Like Absolute and I just we we click pretty well, and um, we have a difficult time disengaging. <laughs> uh, we just we have a lot in common, and uh, it was it was a good it was a good show. So, all right, since I have since I have so much stuff I want to get to as far as information in the show, I want to go ahead. And uh, do a do a promotion now here at the beginning of the show. I usually sh- save this for the middle or the end of the show, but I I want to get it done here at the very beginning. Um, I'm partnered with uh, Benson Honey Farms. It's BensonHoneyFarms.com. I love their products. I've been using their products for months now, um, especially their honey, their candy, and uh, their soaps. I I really love their products and. I've, they've given me a rep code. It's rep code just human. And so if you're looking for some honey or some soap or some candy or some barbecue sauce 
um, or anything along those lines, looking for a gift package for a Christmas present. Um, if you go to bensonhoneyfarms.com and you use rep code just human, you're helping out an American small business and you're also helping me out a little bit. So it's a great way to support the show, support this small business and also get some really good honey. Other ways to support the show are, of course, in the description of the show over on Rumble, or you can find my link tree on any of my social media profiles. You can buy me a cup of coffee uh, slash just human. Uh, buy me a cup of coffee dot com slash just human, um, or you can go to my Substack justhuman.substack.com and get a paid subscription there. That is where um, that those are the two best ways to support what I do. But even if you don't want a paid subscription to my Substack, I suggest following it and just doing a free subscribe to it. Everything on there is free. I occasionally write articles on there, but I do my podcast through my Substack. So if you're interested in a podcast version of the show, that's how you can get it. Okay. Enough of that. I got information to present. We had, let's see. I want to do this one first. Let's, Let's do something recent in the news because this is good. This is good. this right here will be a pretty quick one. All right. So, do you guys remember? That Joe Biden went and met with Xi Jinping about a month ago. And I think they met in Bali. I believe it was, yeah, in Bali, Indonesia. And I remember they had a conversation and uh, they had some tensions over Taiwan and some other things. But anyway, she and um, Biden got together just about, just less than a month ago. And did you notice this story where U.S. court dismissed a suit against Saudi ruler Khashoggi having to do with the, the death of journalist quote-unquote, Jamal Khashoggi, his murder. This is from December 6th. U.S. federal court said in a filing on Tuesday that it was dismissing a lawsuit against the crown prince of Saudi Arabia over the killing of a Saudi columnist who lived in Virginia after the State Department's determination that the prince has immunity as a head of state of or state or government. So the State Department told the court, hey, this guy's got immunity. So that case was dropped. And then Brittany Griner was traded not too long after, two days later. Two days after that moment, um, Brittany Griner was traded and uh, we gave up um, Victor Bout for Brittany Griner, instead of getting back Todd, um, what is his name? Paul Whelan, or uh, there's another guy that's also captive in Russia, I believe, that there's been talk of us getting. Um, and the Biden administration totally, this has been a massive embarrassment for them. Massive embarrassment for them. We traded a WNBA player for, in exchange, we gave away a international arms dealer um, 
who conspired to sell tons of weapons, including weapons that would go in the hands of people who intent on killing Americans. And it turns out this deal to make this happen was negotiated by the UAE. And the exchange happened in Abu Dhabi. And so it seems to me like what happened here is that we, the crown prince, or the Saudi, Ara- the Saudi Arabia and UAE got together and orchestrated this, this swap. And in exchange for them orchestrating this swap, the State Department perhaps told that U.S. court to drop the case against the Saudi crown prince. And the Biden administration is being torn up, absolutely torn up. You see this update right here from the Daily Mail is saying this is a deal soaked in blood after the governments of Saudi Arabia, the UAE, and Russia confirmed that Griner's release for notorious convicted arms trafficker Victor Bout came via Saudi-UAE mediation efforts led by Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. Foreign Ministry statements by both countries hours after the now-freed Russian-American walked past each other on the UAE tarmac revealed, blah, blah, blah. Saudi Arabia's Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman and UAE President Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed led mediation efforts that secured the release of two prisoners between the U.S. and Russia, a joint statement issued by both countries, Foreign Ministry said on Thursday. So, knowing that those two people led it, led this negotiation, when you look back just two days ago at this, it's like, oh, I see what was going on here. The Biden administration wanted this exchange to happen, and their, uh, what they put into the pot to get this guy to negotiate on their behalf was they had the U.S. court dismiss the lawsuit against him. And the Biden administration didn't announce that Saudi Arabia and UAE helped this. It was their respective governments that announced it, much to the further humiliation of the Biden administration. This entire thing has been absolutely humiliating for the Biden administration. There's no, there's nothing, there's no goodwill here. There's no praise for the Biden administration. There's no, there's no win for them. I mean, this feels like something that was orchestrated specifically to do damage to the Biden administration. It's a massive embarrassment, and it's one of the top stories over the past 24 hours. Um, and there's no way to spin it into anything good. The Biden administration left a U.S. Marine who's been in prison for four years in Russia. Um, they abandoned him and chose Brittany Griner. And that, at first, the reporting had been, oh, it was only Brittany that the Russians were, a, were willing to give up. But it's turning out that that's not true, that they actually were offered a choice. That Russia offered them a choice, Whalen or Griner, and the Biden administration chose Griner. And I really liked Chris Paul's take on this right here. Oh, Wasimatow or Wasimatow over on Foxhole. Yeah. Biden, remember Biden went to Saudi Arabia. Was it a month ago or what? I think, I think it may have been more than a month ago. I think it may have been more than a month ago, but yeah, remember Biden went to Saudi Arabia and like fist bumped the prince. 
And that was an embarrassing trip. Maybe it was a month ago that he went and he was begging them to produce more oil. And they're like, they're, they, after he left, they were like, nah, nah, we'll just keep things the way they are. So Chris Paul's take right here was excellent. I thought the illegitimate administration is pretending that this Brittany Griner nonsense is a win for a fake president, Joe Biden. Not only didn't he get a good deal, he didn't even make the deal. It's the greatest proof yet that Biden is not in control of anything and never has been. He got shown up on the world stage again by countries whose leaders know without question that Biden did not receive 81 million real legal American votes and the certification and fake inauguration were a complete and total sham. Even Biden's allies are a joke. They know it too. And what did they do to punk the fake president on just for kicks? Jamal Khashoggi, who the regime chopped up and blamed on MBS so they could undermine a Trump-MBS alliance. This is MBS rubbing it in Biden's illegitimate, (laughs) surgically reconstructed face. (laughs) It's so true. Guys, what just happened in this trade, this prisoner swap, is Russia, the UAE, and Saudi Arabia just snubbed Biden. They just took a dump all over Biden. They just absolutely just wrecked him, wrecked him with this deal. It's, <laughs> it's unhilarious. It's hilarious. Even though I like, I feel bad for Whalen who was left in Russia, but oh my gosh, this is, this is a massive embarrassment. Yet another foreign policy disaster for the Biden administration. And you may be wondering, why did I bring up the Xi Jinping thing? Why did I bring up that Xi Jinping and Biden had a uh, meeting? Well, I'll show you if I can remember where I put the bookmark, because I'm pretty sure I bookmarked it. Maybe I bookmarked it over here. I bookmarked it last night while I was uh, on the EQ chamber. I uh, I looked this up because I was like, wait a minute, I know I have something to add to the show, and then I didn't, I didn't get to add it. Uh, here, hold up, hold up. So there's one, there's one of them. So I told you, remember Biden went and met with Xi Jinping less than a month ago. Well, guess what happened as well this week? The U.S. approved a four hundred and twenty-eight million dollars in arms sales to Taiwan. But that's not all they did. That's not all that happened this week. Biden is going to sign off on a $10 billion security package for Taiwan. It's a $10 billion Security assistance package for Taiwan this month as part of a must-pass full Pentagon operations bill, the NDAA, which passed the House yesterday. The provisions bolster Taiwan's defense capacity and deter the ambitions of China, blah, blah, blah. Beijing says the island is part, blah, blah, blah. Under a section of the NDAA, National Defense Authorization Act, under a section named the Taiwanese Enhanced Resilience Act, the legislation authorizes $2 billion in grants and loans annually for Taiwan over the next five years, funds the island can use to purchase defensive arms and services from the United States, 
The assistance is contingent on Taipei increasing its own defense budget year on year. The Enhanced Resilience Act also authorizes $1 billion a year to deliver U.S. military stockpiles to Taiwan in a crisis. Lawmakers in Taipei say 2023 to 2027 is a critical window in which Taiwan expects some of its modern military platforms to come online. It's also a make-or-break period for the island's slow transition to so-called asymmetric defense through the procurement of cheaper, highly mobile, and lethal systems to counter the numerical advantage of China's forces. So, less than a month after meeting with Xi Jinping, the Biden administration is set to approve $10 billion security package for Taiwan, a half a billion dollars in arms sales, and the NDAA did pass the House yesterday, which includes all that stuff. So talk about a clearing, uh, like a huge contradiction and something that tells you that Biden is not, n- not in full control of this government, in my opinion. Or we just have Biden completely wrong. It's either that Biden is not fully in control of these this type of stuff, or he's not who we thought he was. There's this these things aren't making sense. He wasn't in control of the negotiation for a prisoner swap with Russia, and it doesn't seem like he's in control or has any influence over our foreign policy when it comes to China, which is not what you would think. You would think that that was his. Oh, here's where I bookmarked them. Oh, that's good. Um, You would think that uh, that would be a president would be primarily influencing foreign policy. But he seems to have no influence on our foreign policy. And when he does, when he is assigned something like something happens in our foreign policy that he is trying to overtly control or influence, it blows up in his face. One last thing I noticed, I mentioned this on the EQ chamber last night. Elon Musk um, has another company called Starshield. Well, it's SpaceX, but he has a Starshield project as part of it. And, um, He's hiring for it. They've posted 30 jobs openings for it. Um, Some of the jobs require top secret clearance. And let's see, where is, does it describe this program? It's SpaceX, but the new project is called Star Shield, a business that it says offers earth observation, communication, and other services to government clients. So there's going to be more defense contracts for Elon Musk, I believe. Okay. Next thing. Let's go ahead and get into Yeah, let's go ahead and get into our big our big dig. Okay. Why is well just a moment, just a moment. Change move this screen around a little bit. Okay. 
Okay. That's not the first one I want to start with. I want to start with this one. There we go. So I mentioned we had a big indictment, and it's the indictment of Andre or Andre Derkatch. Okay. And this happened on Wednesday, December 7th. Russian intelligence agent charged with fraud and money laundering in connection with purchase and use of luxury Beverly Hills real estate. Now, that headline doesn't tell you anywhere near just how important this indictment is and what all it connects to. This defendant was previously sanctioned in 2020 for attempting to interfere in the U.S. presidential election. Now, that subtitle might get your attention, but Dawson here did an epic thread on it, which I'm going to present to you. Um, well, actually, this one is this one's pretty good, but there's we're going to we're going to trail off in various directions with this Dawson thread and with this indictment. Let's see, what should I start with first? Um I'll start, I'll start with what Dawson says. All right, Ukrainian politician Andrei Derkach was indicted today, but some of, us, some of us were aware of his swampy games a long time ago. Biden wasn't framed for 2020 at the request of Rudy and Trump. Biden, like Trump, was framed for 2016 to ensure that Hillary won that election. Now you may say, what in the world are you talking about? What in the world are you talking about? He's talking about how back in 2015, Hillary Clinton believed and her team believed that Biden was going to get into the primaries and primary Hillary. Remember, Biden had been Obama's VP. So his thinking was he was going to ride Obama's coattails and he was going to run for president in 2016. But Biden pulled out right before the primary season began. One of the reasons that he likely pulled out was that Hillary Clinton through the Podesta group, acquired a bunch of dirt on the Biden crime family out of in Ukraine. Derkatch was the guy who helped put that together. Hillary acquired that dirt on Biden so that he she could beat him in the primaries. But Biden didn't run, and Biden dropped out of the primaries. So what'd she do? They repackaged that dirt and accused Trump and his family of everything that the Biden family had been doing. You notice how there seems to be a mirror. There seems to be some sort of projection or something going on where everything that the Biden crime family is guilty of in Ukraine and elsewhere, they have accused the Trump family of they've accused Trump and Don jr of all these different crooked deals and trying to influence prosecutors and all of that kind of stuff. You ever notice how everything they accuse Trump of is something that they are actually doing? Part of that reason is because they packaged all this dirt up out of Ukraine against the Bidens. And then when Biden didn't run, they just put new names in it, massaged it a little bit, tweaked it so they could use it against Trump. You may also remember. If you read my Substack way long time ago on the Project Veritas raid, 
that I also covered in this Substack. This. Crooked SDNY raids Rudy Giuliani's Manhattan apartment and seizes his electronic devices. And Rudy got all upset about it, went on TV. I can't believe this is happening in this country. I am the I am the lawyer for, for President Trump. And the, the weaponized Justice Department is coming after me. They came to my apartment with guns. All these different agents went through all my stuff. They took all of my devices. It was terrible. Gestapo, FBI. But in the court filings, it's revealed that Rudy was never the subject of the investigation. Rudy just had the evidence that was needed for another investigation that was going on. That investigation, or at least one of them, was this. Yet another instance where somebody prominent, somebody close to Trump team, see we have it right here in black and white, right here in black and white. There is no pending criminal case against the subjects of the search. The subjects were Rudy Giuliani, Rudy Giuliani and Victoria Tunsing. This is from April 29th. So that means within a couple days of the raid on Rudy Giuliani and Victoria, it was in black and white from the, from the, the DOJ's own attorneys put it in writing in court doc and court filing that Rudy and Victoria are not the subjects of, of a criminal case. We just needed to search them to gather the evidence on the people we're actually investigating. But that didn't stop all the conservative incorporated media and influencers from going, ah, FBI bad. They went after Rudy. This is terrible. Blah, 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 blah. Well, now we know this is what it had to do with. And say, well, how do you know that, Kyle? How do you know that this is what it had to do with? Well, because Rudy and Durkach have gotten together a few times. And the Daily Beast and others love to say, ah, U.S. Intel repeatedly warned about Rudy's Russian agent pal, Andre Durkach. He's suspected of election interference and Rudy keeps on meeting with him and Rudy's going over to the Ukraine to meet with him. And then Dirk Hatch is coming over to America to meet with Rudy. That's because they're crooked and they're trying to get dirt on Joe Biden. They're trying to influence the election. Rudy Giuliani's Russian spy pal charged with money laundering. See, they're, they, the, the enemy media are going to say that this is all Rudy's fault. It's his pal. But what Rudy was doing was Rudy was gathering evidence on this guy, which the FBI then seized in that raid.
They even tell you the contradiction right here that should have alerted everybody that it was some kind of stink. Andrei Durkach, a Ukrainian member of parliament who the Trump administration accused of being an active Russian agent for over a decade, allegedly used a shell corporation to hide his ownership of condos. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The, the Trump administration said that this guy was a Russian agent? What? Wait, wait, what's this? The Trump administration sanctioned Durkach shortly before the 2020 election? I thought he was Rudy's pal. Hmm. Giuliani publicly met with Durkach during a 2019 trip to Ukraine, where the then-Trump lawyer was soliciting dirt about the Bidens in anticipation of the upcoming presidential election. He was he was soliciting evidence. Evidence. Now, this thread right here that Dawson is connecting back, or this, con- yeah, is it a thread? Is this from the, yeah, okay. These sanctions. Let's go over this. these sanctions that were put up against Durkach. This is one of, in my opinion, it's funny that it has, oh, I haven't even liked it. I should like it. Um, it's crazy that this tweet by Dawson only has 44 likes because it's so important what he's pointing out. Trump has told us that it is time to stop listening to the Biden allegations out of Ukraine. Are you going to listen to him? Stop falling for the fake news and look at what the Trump administration has to say. I've covered this before, but I'm going to bring it up again. Treasury sanctions Russia-linked election interference actors. Today, the Department of Treasury Office of Foreign Assets Control, OFAC, designated four Russia-linked individuals for attempting to influence the U.S. electoral process. Treasury designated Andre or Andre Derkach. Pursuant to Executive Order 13848. Seems like a big deal, right? 13848 was used against this guy, Dirk Hatch, who just got indicted on Wednesday. For his efforts to influence the 2020 U.S. presidential election, Dirk Hatch, a member of the Ukrainian parliament, has been an active Russian agent for over a decade, maintaining close connections with the Russian intelligence services. Durkach has directly or indirectly engaged in, sponsored, concealed, or otherwise been complicit in foreign interference in an attempt to undermine the upcoming 2020 U.S. presidential election. Today's designation of Durkach is focused on exposing Russian malign influence campaigns and protecting our upcoming elections from foreign interference. This action is a clear signal to Moscow and its proxies, etc., etc. Quote from Steve Mnuchin, Andre Durkach, and other... Russian agents employ manipulation and deceit to attempt to influence sanctions in the United States and elsewhere around the world. The United States will continue to use all the tools at its disposal to counter these Russian disinformation campaigns. Their catches election influence efforts from at least 2019 through mid 2020. Oh, that would be the time when Rudy Giuliani was meeting with him, huh? Durkach waged a covert influence campaign centered on cultivating false and unsubstantiated narratives concerning U.S. officials in the upcoming 2020 presidential election, spurring corruption investigations in both Ukraine and the United States designed to culminate prior to Election Day. Durkach's unsubstantiated narratives were pushed in Western media through a coverage of press conferences and other news events, including interviews and statements, between May and July 2020. 
Darecatch released edited audio tapes and other unsupported information with the intent to discredit U.S. officials, and he levied unsubstantiated allegations against U.S. and international political figures. Darecatch also cert- certainly targeted the U.S. voting populace, prominent U.S. persons, and members of the U.S. government, based on his reliance on U.S. platforms, English language documents and videos, and pro-Russian lobbyists in the United States used to propagate his claims. Today's designation of Dare Catch is another example of Treasury Department's promoting accountability, blah, blah, blah. Russia has Russia Treasury has previously designated Russian Troll Factory, known as the Internet Research Agency, and its Russian financier, Yevgeny Prigozhin. Uh, Prigozhin has been designated by the United States pursuant to EO 13661, EO 139694, as amended and also most recently, EO 13-848 for providing material support to the IRA's influence activities against the U.S. in the 2018 U.S. midterms. I believe Patel told, I believe John Harold, Patel Patriot, told me that was the first use of uh, EO 138848, was in 2018 against the IRA. Russian nationals Artem Lifshitz, Anton Andreev, and Daria Aslanov as employees of IRA supported the IRA's cryptocurrency accounts. By the way, there was an indictment of someone in Nigeria for cryptocurrency scam yesterday, and I'm kind of wondering if it if that person may have previously worked for IRA Internet Research Agency because they're out of the same country in Africa that the IRA went to go operate at or in. Anyway, that's what Dawson's getting at right there, is that the Trump administration said that there was disinformation coming out of Ukraine and that disinformation was aimed at U.S. officials, including people running for election. And they were doing it to try and influence the 2020 election. So that is why for a long time now, I have been very, very skeptical about the Hunter Biden laptop and what is presented as being on the Hunter Biden laptop. I've looked at a whole bunch of what is on there. I'm pretty sure a lot of it is legit. But there's also a bunch of different versions of the Hunter Biden laptop floating around. And you guys are aware of how many times somebody has popped up and suddenly says... They got a copy of it and they found all this new stuff suddenly appearing on it. And there's so many different allegations. There's so much evidence on it. And I'm willing to look at it, but I'm not willing to accept everything that's presented to us from the Hunter Biden laptop as being absolutely bulletproof because of this. Because of this, we know the Trump administration told us that there was false info and disinformation coming out of Ukraine against people involved in running for office in the 2020 presidential election. And it makes a whole lot of sense that some of that stuff might wind up on one of these copies of the Hunter Biden laptop that's floating around the world. And I'm just not, I'm just skeptical. 
I'm not saying the whole laptop's fake. I don't think it is. Um, my personal opinion is that Hunter himself loaded up that laptop with a whole bunch of evidence and abandoned it at that la- at that repair shop on purpose. And he did that because he knew that it would be turned over to the authorities. And I think that the way he knew that was because the owner of that store was a patriot and a good guy. And perhaps I don't know this, but perhaps he has a history of being willing to turn like he had previously turned over some some stuff he had gotten on a laptop that was abandoned there, or an electronic device. You know, like maybe there were previous times where this guy, um, Mac Isaac or whatever, you know, seems like a pretty good guy, seems like a patriot. So it was a good bet to leave such evidence there. Knowing that there was a he would this guy would probably turn it over. But there's so much evidence on that laptop. I don't know how anybody can't think that Hunter put it all on there on purpose and left it on purpose so that it would wind up in the hands of the FBI. I believe he absolutely left it on purpose. In my personal opinion, Hunter Biden flipped. I think that he used to be a bad guy. I think he used to be a bad man for the Biden crime family. Um... I think the Biden crime family is real and they are guilty of a lot of crimes that they've been accused of. But I also think that Hunter flipped. And when he did that, he turned it in as part of him flipping. Dawson here thinks that that's not right. Dawson here thinks that like Trump, Hunter has been accused of all this stuff, but he isn't actually guilty of it. And instead, it's a it's the same thing that that the Biden family has been accused of all these crimes, and it's based on a whole bunch of fake disinformation coming out of Ukraine to damage the Bidens, and it was all cooked up by the Podesta group and Hillary Clinton and Andre Durkach. And I can't blame him for thinking that. I think there's a good case that can be made that, I mean, it sounds exactly like something Hillary Clinton would do, right? Hillary Clinton would pay a bunch of Ukrainians and uh, bad actors to come up with all this disinformation against the Biden family in order to damage him in the 2015-2016 primary, but then she didn't use it, so they changed it and used it against Trump, and that became part of Spygate and Russiagate. I can absolutely 100% picture the Clintons doing that easily. So at this time, I disagree with Dawson. I think the buying crime family is actually a crime family and they've been busted and they flipped. But regardless, I of what it is, we all need to be careful. And I've said this on the show a number of times. We all need to be careful about information coming out of Ukraine against anyone because that is swampland. That is as absolute swampland. You can't trust stuff coming out of there. And we've, we've experienced that with this uh, Russian military operation in Ukraine. <laughs> I mean, it's been a clown show. Uh, and that, I, I fully intend the double meaning of that. Now, what people aren't prepared for
Well, actually, let me grab this Rumble rant because it fits in. Uh, T. Giglioli, thank you for the Rumble rant. They say both Hunter and Ashley left their documentation to be found because they want out of the dysfunctional situation that their father put them in. That is very possible. Very like, Actually, I would say that's very likely. Do I know that for a fact to be true? No. Do I believe it? Yeah. That's what I believe. That's what I believe. I don't know it to be true, but that's what I believe. But what people aren't prepared for, what the community is not prepared for, is to learn that Hunter Biden is a CHS. That Hunter Biden is a confidential human source for the FBI. And that's coming. I think that's coming, guys. That that's going to come out somewhere. Because Hunter Biden has turned over so much evidence that he seems to be acting just like a CHS. And when that happens, boom, (laughs) like the conservative news industry is going to blow up when they, when that's, that's revealed that Hunter Biden has been, has been working as an FBI human FBI source. But it's, I can't get away from the fact that it really seems like he has been. All the dirt he gathered on Devin Archer and on uh, what's his name in Kazakhstan and a whole bunch of others. I I think it's coming. I know that seems like far-fetched, like what? But if you're with me on the fact that he left his laptop on purpose with all that evidence... Why do you think Hunter Biden hasn't been indicted for anything yet? Just think on it. Think on it. Now, back to this little thread right here to just to wrap up this sanctioning of Andre Durkach so we can get to his indictment. Unlike Obama, who set back and allowed Russia to interfere with the 2016 elections, Trump is acting aggressively to stop their fake news and dirty dossiers. So stop listening to those patriots and reporters who are passing on this propaganda. What are the Russians doing? And he goes over what I just read to you. These unsubstantiated documents, narratives fed to media and pro-Russian lobbyists trying to get government officials to take the allegations seriously. It could the only thing that fits this is the Biden tapes and the documents and things like that. The only thing that was going around in the media in t- September of 2020 that fits this right here is stuff having to do with the Biden crime family. But what happened a month after this, guys? What came out? Well, actually, on September 29th. This was September 10th. What came out in the news just weeks later? The Hunter Biden laptop story. The Hunter Biden laptop story came out just weeks after this sanction against people for election interference. Which is another reason why we should be skeptical of claims that are made or based on anything coming out of Ukraine. Now let's go to this uh let's go to this indictment. 
Russian intelligence agent charged with fraud and money laundering in connection with the purchase and use of luxury Beverly Hills real estate. Defendant was sanctioned in 2020 for attempting to interfere in the U.S. presidential election. A seven-count indictment was unsealed today in federal court in Brooklyn, charging Andre Durkach with conspiracy to violate the International Emergency Economic Powers Act, bank fraud conspiracy, money laundering conspiracy, and four counts of money laundering in connection with the purchase and maintenance of two condominiums in Beverly Hills, California. Durkatch allegedly purchased the properties in violation of new U.S. sanctions imposed earlier this year and concealed his interest in the transactions. Durkatch remains at large. Let's see, is it this one that goes? Yes. The conduct of this Kremlin asset who was sanctioned for trying to poison our democracy has shown he is ready, willing, and capable of exploiting our banking system in order to advance his illicit goals. The U.S. will not be a safe haven where criminals, oligarchs, and sanctioned entities can hide their ill-gotten gains or influence our elections. While Breon Peace said, this office, together with our law enforcement partners, will use every tool available to prosecute, blah, blah, blah. Since... 1998, except for a hiatus from 2000, from November 2006 to November 2007, Derkach was a member of the Verkhovna, the Rada, Ukraine's parliament. During his time in the Rada, Derkach was a member of a party of regions, a pro-Russia political party, which was the ruling party in Ukraine from 2010 until the 2014 Ukrainian Euromaidan revolution. On September 10th, 2020, the United States Department of Treasury Office of Foreign Asset Control sanctioned Derkach and several companies he controlled pursuant to Executive Order 13848, calling him an active Russian agent for over a decade, maintaining close connections with the Russian intelligence services who waged a covert influence campaign to undermine the 2020 U.S. presidential election. As alleged in the indictment, beginning in 2013, Derkach and a co-conspirator devised a scheme to purchase and maintain two luxury condominiums in Beverly Hills while concealing his interest in the transactions from U.S. financial institutions. Specifically, Derkach used the services of a corporate nominee, a multi-tiered structure of California-based shell companies, and numerous U.S. bank and brokerage accounts. Using this framework, Derkatch wired approximately $3.92 million to the nominee from overseas accounts in Latvia and Switzerland, belonging to companies registered in the British Virgin Islands. The money was then used to pay $3.2 million in cash in the name of a corporate entity set up by the nominee, with Derkatch having no visible affiliation with the purchase. The remaining $800,000 was invested in a brokerage account maintained by the nominee for Derkatch's benefit and used to pay expenses on the condominiums, including taxes, homeowner fees, and utilities. Because Derkatch had fraudulently obscured details about his identity and involvement from the financial institutions holding the aforementioned bank and brokerage accounts, he prevented those financial institutions from moving funds into blocked accounts and instead caused those financial institutions to engage in transactions involving blocked funds and transactions for the benefit of the condominiums, which were blocked property pursuant to the sanctions. A parallel civil forfeiture action has been initiated to seize the condominiums and the remaining funds in the U.S. brokerage and bank accounts that Derkatch controls. If convicted, Derkatch faces a maximum of 30 years in prison. The charges in the indictment are allegations, etc., presumed innocent until guilt, proven guilty. The government's case is being handled. Now y'all need to pay attention. Turn your ears on. 
The government's case is being handled by the office's national security and cyber crime section. Assistant United States attorneys, Artie McConnell and Jonathan E. Alger are in charge of the prosecution. How many people in my audience remember the name Jonathan E. Alger? If you've been watching my show for three months or more, they're about, well, four months or more, you should know the name Jonathan E. Alger because he was part of Durham's special counsel's office and he was one of the lead attorneys in the prosecution of Michael Sussman and was on a whole bunch of filings in the Sussman case. And then in August or September, he left the Danchenko case because seemingly because he had a terrorism case coming up in early November. So, the special counsel's office, Durham special counsel's office, they they hire attorneys from DOJ and they can hire outside ones, but they pull prosecutors and investigators from within DOJ into that office. But it doesn't mean that person isn't still a DOJ prosecutor. And Alger already had this terrorism case going on. And so it seems that he left the Danchenko case and wasn't going to be there for that trial because he himself had a trial coming up just a month later, a big one. So makes sense that he got pulled off, but there's no sign that he is no longer part of the Durham SEO at all. He just submitted a court filing that said, I'm not going to be on this case right here. So we've got a Durham alumni spotted here on this indictment of Andre Durkach, who tried to influence the 2020 presidential election, who met with Rudy Giuliani, Giuliani a whole bunch of times, who Giuliani gathered a whole bunch of evidence on and was fake raided. I mean, he was searched, but they carried out a subpoena to acquire his evidence. It wasn't a freaking raid, bust down the door, handcuff Rudy Giuliani because he was a, I mean, he wasn't even under investigation. Now, that's not all. Alger and McConnell are in charge of the prosecution of Andre Durkach with the assistance from trial attorney Adam Small. Adam Small. Who is Adam Small? We know Adam Small. We know Adam Small. He got added to the Durham SCO, to the Durham Special Counsel's office. He was added to it last September. I believe it was. And what does he specialize in? He specializes in RICO. He specializes in national security. Come on, Twitter. Come on, Twitter. Give me this right here. Adam Small, Adam to Durham's team. It was August, August 2nd. Trial attorney with experience 
Prosecuting Espionage Act, Trade Secret Economic Espionage, Sanctions Export Control, FARA, Wire Fraud, Money Laundering, Cyber, and RICO. Well, isn't that dasting? Isn't that oh so dasting that Andre Durkach is indicted and two of the people involved, two out of three people, yeah, two out of three of the attorneys involved on the named in, as being involved in the case are part of Durham's special counsel's office. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It pays to not just go by the headlines. You've got to read this stuff carefully. And when you do, you start seeing things like that. And it makes you, it's, it doesn't make this a Durham indictment, of course. This isn't a Durham indictment. But it does make you say, huh, is this peripheral to the Durham Special Counsel's Office right now? But at some point it becomes primary to it? You know, is this is this a legal action that's being done outside of the Special Counsel's Office? And it doesn't need to be part of the Special Counsel's Office, but it informs what Durham is working on. And in the grand scheme of things, it's part of it. And, you know, the, the black pills floating around on this indictment is like, yeah, it doesn't matter, though. Dirk Hatch isn't even in the United States. He's never going to get busted for anything. He's never going to get caught, blah, blah, blah. Right. But his properties are here and the transactions with the banks are here. And what do you need to do if you want to indict and you want to take down the whole freaking corrupt castle? If you want to take down the whole criminal syndicate, what do you need? You need the freaking money trail. You need the money trail. And that's what this gives you. Just like the Deripaska indictment and sanctions give you when you're going after Deripaska's U.S.-based accountant. I need to check that case soon, see if there's been any more filings. Okay, let's go back to Dawson's thread because Dawson put together something big. And I have to give a shout out, like Dawson, to Empty Wheel, who is purports to be on the left and can be very difficult to read sometimes, so anti-Trump. But man, sometimes it it pays to pay attention to people who don't seem like they're on your side because they sometimes notice things that you overlook an empty wheel notice this first as far as i know when this when this indictment first came out and i shared it on wednesday what stood out to me was oh it's andre durkatch that's who rudy met and so my mind would immediately start going down the the rudy raid and thinking about all of that and i skimmed this indictment real quick okay it's sanctions 13848 okay okay and i myself did not read all the way down to this to see this. And it wasn't until I saw 
empty wheels tweet that I realized, oh, just like you guys just had that oh moment. So I got to give a shout out to empty wheel for noticing that. All right. Why is he Dirk Hatch in violation of U.S. sanctions? This is back to Dawson's thread. Because the Trump administration sanctioned Darecatch in September of 2020 for election interference by providing false documents and audio of Joe Biden in an attempt to frame Biden for colluding with the Ukrainians. Two of Durham's team have indicted for other crimes a Ukrainian politician who provided Trump's lawyer and oppo research team fake evidence against Biden that Rudy then gave to FBI and DOJ with the intent of triggering a collusion investigation against Biden before the election. Durham's team, the people investigating who provided Hillary's lawyers and oppo research team fake evidence against Trump that Sussman gave to the FBI with the intent of triggering a collusion investigation against Trump before the election. You see how both things have been played here? You've got two scandals that seem like a mirror of one another, and they both connect back to Ukraine. And they both connect back to Hillary and the Podesta group. And they both connect back to people like Andre Durkacz. It gets even more interesting that much of the dirt on Biden is from the 2013 to 2015 timeframe. As rumors swirled that Biden was going to jump into the 2020 primary to defeat Hillary, he meant the 2016 primary. The 2016 primary to defeat Hillary, the New York Times published an article based on these allegations. It pays to go back in time because with the benefit of context and more information, you see things a lot differently and hopefully more clearly. This is from New York Times. Joe Biden, his son, in the case against a Ukrainian oligarch by James Risen, December 8th, 2015. Vice President Biden traveled to Ukraine on Sunday for a series of meetings with the country's leaders. One of the issues on his agenda was to encourage a more aggressive fight against Ukraine's rampant corruption and stronger efforts to rein in the power of its oligarchs. But the credibility of Vice President's anti-corruption message may have been undermined by the association of his son, Hunter, with one of Ukraine's largest natural gas companies, Burisma Holdings, and with its owner, Zlochevsky, who was Ukraine's ecology minister under the former president, Yanukovych, before he was forced into exile. Hunter Biden, age 45, a former Washington lobbyist, joined the Burisma board in April 2014. That month is part of an investigation into money laundering. British officials froze London bank accounts containing $23 million that allegedly belonged to Mr. Zlochevsky. Britain's serious fraud office, an independent government agency, specifically forbade Zlochevsky, as well as Burisma Holdings, the company's chief legal officer and another company owned by Zlochevsky, to have any access to the accounts. But after Ukrainian prosecutors refused to provide documents needed in the investigation, a British British court in January ordered the serious fraud office to unfreeze the assets. The refusal by the Ukrainian prosecutor general's office to cooperate was the target of a stinging attack by the Ukrainian American ambassador to Ukraine, Jeffrey P. Pyatt, who called out Burisma's owner by name in a speech in September. 
This all has Kate Benny. Okay, let's right here. Uh, now you look at the Hunter Biden situation. On the one hand, you can credit the father for sending the anti-corruption message, Mr. Chow said. But I think, unfortunately, it sends the message that a lot of foreign countries want to believe about America, that they are hypocritical about these issues. A spokeswoman for the vice president said Hunter Biden's business dealings had no impact on his policy positions in connection with Ukraine. Hunter Biden is a private citizen and a lawyer. The vice president does not endorse any particular company and has no involvement with this company. Kind of crazy to look back and see the New York Times reporting on the same things about the Biden family back in 2015 that now conservative media is reporting and digging up. They all changed their tune once once Biden became the nominee in 2019, 2020, right? Because it was anything, anything they could do to defeat Trump, it didn't matter. They're going to run cover for Biden. Different story five years ago, though. Did Dare Catch provide Rudy, back to Dawson's thread, did Dare Catch provide Rudy the same evidence that was used to publish a New York Times article in 2015 to ensure that Biden, that Biden did not run against Hillary? Did the same people who tried to frame Biden to protect Hillary's run or the White House also frame Trump to ensure Hillary's election? That really is a key question that everybody really needs to ask ask themselves and think back into what we experienced in 2015 and 2016. And notice the similarities between all these allegations against Trump and against the Bidens. It doesn't mean that there isn't some truth or some fact or something that's credible within those allegations. It doesn't necessarily mean that. But it does mean you got to be careful because in hindsight, you can see how Hillary and her cohorts used this stuff against the Biden family to get him out of the primary and then changed it up slightly and used it against Trump and his family. Will, back to Dawson, will the Durham-connected money laundering investigation into Darecatch reveal who was paying him for those services? Because his indictment connected to the 2013 purchase of these condominiums and his efforts to enter the U.S. to use them to have some swamp connections. Always got to follow the money. Always got to follow the money. First, let's go through the indictment which starts by identifying why Derkach is considered to be a Russian agent. He actually graduated from the FSB's academy in 1993. The FSN was the successor agency to the KGB. He then went into Ukrainian politics. In 2013 or earlier, Derkach schemed to buy these two condominiums with his wife, co-conspirator one. They used a U.S. financial services professional, the nominee, 
to set up shell companies to hide his ownership of the condos. The shell company is 70 Business Bureau Incorporated. And the nominee is almost certainly Los Angeles-based accountant and lawyer, Yosef Menela. Yosef runs his own financial services company, but started his career with Deloitte, I think it's De- Deloitte, um, or Deloitte Day, I don't know, Deloitte, um, Deloitte and Touche, something like that. Handling financial statement audits for Fortune 500 companies. The indictment says that he knew the shell company was a front for Darecatch and his family to use the condos. So this is that guy, Yosef, that he set it up with. Yosef serves on the state bar of California's Taxation Law Advisor Commission has received a special congressional recognition from the U.S. Congress and has recommendations from L.A. County Board of Supervisors, Sheriff's Department, and L.A. Mayor's Office. Sound swampy yet? Very. I'd love to see what member of Congress submitted his name for a special congressional recognition award. Let's see if... Did anybody comment? Did anybody uh, comment... Who sent the word? No, okay. All right. Anyway, Dare Catch, this, this, divide. Okay. And there's a miss, there's a typo here. Dare Catch deceived U.S. authorities to obtain his U.S. visa to come to the U.S. in 2019 and 2020, hiring an unnamed U.S. consulting firm, Firm One, to lobby for his visa. But the U.S. firm signed a contract with the Ukrainian shipping shipping firm to conceal it was working for Darecatch. It says right here, it's highlighted. Oh, come on, Twitter. Darecatch retained the services of a U.S.-based consulting firm, an identity, an entity, the identity of which is known to the grand jury. The written contract purported to be between Firm 1 and a Ukrainian shipping company and did not refer to Durkatch, notwithstanding Durkatch's direct involvement in the provision of services that the contract purported to reflect. Now, why did Durkatch need to lobby to get a visa to travel to the U.S.? Because Rudy Giuliani invited Darecatch to come to New York and be on his podcast to talk about the fake dirt on Biden. And we know that from this right here. See, this is from this document is let me scroll up to where it is. article what article is it new york times article this is a new york times article from may 27th of 2021 shortly after about a month after the rudy raid 
And remember, the press at that time was all talking about how Rudy Giuliani's in trouble. The president's lawyer was raided. The FBI is going to get him. The walls are closing in on Rudy Giuliani. Finally, somebody's going to go to prison. And the left were posting all these memes on Twitter telling Eric Garland, go get him. Yeah, finally, finally, Bill Barr is out. Bill Barr, that swamp monster who was protecting Trump and protecting Rudy is gone. And now Garland's going to come in. And Garland is going to arrest Rudy Giuliani. Yeah. <laughs> and right here from this New York Times article, it's talking about Mr. Telenzinko or Telenzinko, another Ukrainian, is a focus of a Brooklyn criminal inquiry. In an interview Thursday, Mr. Telezinko rejected the accusations from the Treasury Department, saying that he had never met Mr. Derkatch before Mr. Artomenko arranged the meeting over his objections. Quote, I said, this is not a good meeting, Mr. Telezinko said he told Rudy Giuliani, adding that Mr. Derkatch was already toxic in Ukraine because everybody knew that he was pro-Russian. After two in two months after that trip, Mr. Derkatch traveled to New York and recorded a podcast with Mr. Giuliani, who added he later provided a voiceover translation for the interview. Mr. Telezinko did. <laughs> you know what that makes me it makes me think about how. Sometimes we're like, why did that person, I was just like this. I was wondering this last night in my chat. Why is so-and-so going on so-and-so's podcast or show when that person is a disgusting individual or an uncredible individual? I don't know. Maybe it's something like this. So Rudy invited Darecatch to come to New York. And to be on his podcast. And in order to do that, Dare Catch committed crimes to obtain the visa that he needed to come to the U.S. The U.S. consulting firm lobbying for Dare Catch's visa in 2018 billed the shipping company, not Dare Catch, but knew his visa difficulties were related to his questionable claims that Ukraine interfered in the 2016 election from the indictment in July, in a July 11th. Yeah. In a July 11th, 2018 email communication with Firm One, Darecatch's representative expressed concern that, quote, given the fact that my client, Darecatch, is a politically exposed person, as well as the statements he made concerning Ukraine's interference into U.S. elections and the inside information we have in our possession, the visa application process could be potentially complicated for Darecatch. You bet. Derkatch was a Ukrainian working for the Russians interfering in the 2016 elections. But who was pushing Derkatch's claims of Ukrainian intervention? Lindsey Graham from CBS News. Even Republicans who have been critical of the Trump administration over the Russia matter have recently talked about the story. On Wednesday, Republican Senator Lindsey Graham President Trump's nominee for FBI director, Christopher Wray, on whether he would look into any Ukrainian interference in the 2016 election. Funny how Lindsey Graham was uh, the one asking about that. 
giving his interesting ties to Ukraine. Back to the indictment. The nominee was very actively involved in setting this up to the point where public records for the company show him as the director for the shell company, though the nominee claims they deceived him about their identities. There is also the unnamed Bank One who opened accounts in the name of the shell company with the nominee and the director and claimed the funds came from Catch's wife's sale of stock in his, his fake news company, Era Media. Catch was also heavily involved in Ukraine's nuclear industry. All right, so we don't know the name of the bank. It's a multinational investment bank and financial services company. Fair to assume it's probably a, a pretty big bank. Um, but I'm just going to toss this out there. In fact, let me, um, let me squirrel to see when this purchase was made because FTX bought some banks and they made strange Purchases of banks. When did they make that purchase? I'm looking it up. When did they, what year did they purchase this bank? What year was it? Okay, I may have missed it. All right, so there's this crypto. Um, FTX bought this bank. It's Farmington State Bank, which only has a single branch and only has three employees. This is from a separate dig I was doing. I want to see. All right, it says these ties began. It was this year. Okay, it was this earlier this year. They they got tied together. Okay. Probably wasn't that one then. Okay, had to scroll for a minute. The wife admitted the connection to Derkatch and the bank refused to serve them. So she and the nominee hid his involvement from the next bank, Bank 2. The nominee claims he believed Derkatch when he told him, it must be Andre Derkatch they are worried about and mistook me for him. The nominee clearly knew or should have known, but he told the FBI he did not know and gave them excuses. But he continued to take their money and hide Durkatch's connections to the condo and cash to pay for it. The extra nominee was put into a brokerage account for the shell company by the nominee, who then filed forms for the corporation with the state of California that concealed Durkatch's role in the property and the accounts. A forfeiture petition accompanying the case identified funds in an account with Citizens Bank, Citizens Business Bank, which may be Bank 2. It also identifies an account at Stifle Nicholas & Company in St. Louis, which may be brokerage account 2 in Bank 3 in the indictment. Citizens Business Bank could also be Bank 4, which received money from a brokerage account over seven years. It's clear the nominee knew Catch's role and concealed it from the bank's financial firms and state agencies while trying to give FBI excuses when he was questioned about it. 
Derkatch can't claim that he didn't know he was under sanctions when he complained about it by blaming members of Congress, probably Democrats and the State Department, for him being sanctioned. Derkatch, his wife, and the nominee continued to use all of these arrangements after sanctions were imposed by the Trump administration. It looks like Bank 4 had servers located in the Eastern District of New York that allowed the EDNY to prosecute the case. Oh my gosh. U.S. Attorney Jonathan Alger is the EDNY prosecutor in the Darecatch case. He joined Durham's team for the Sussman prosecution and to get documents from Perkins Coie. Now, this is about to get so juicy. This is about to get so juicy, guys. All right. So, we got a wire date here, count four, five, six, and seven, and it shows when the money was wired. October of 2020, October 2020, July 2021, April 2022. This was still going on. During the effort, ears open, during the effort to get Perkins Coie and Fusion GPS records related to Clinton's oppo research against Trump, U.S. Attorney Alger noted that there were 15,000 documents claimed under attorney-client privilege. You guys remember that? And he said they didn't need them for the Sussman case. You remember that, guys? Back in May, Durham asked for 38 of the 1,500 documents that are being withheld under attorney-client privilege. The judge asked if they were going to ask for more if he gave them the 38. And Alger replied, not for this trial. It's one of the biggest moments of the Sussman case, and it's one of the moments that everybody just completely forgot if they even knew about as soon as the not guilty or as soon as the acquittal came out because they're like, oh, Sussman got away, can't get a fair trial, Durham's a nothing burger, blah, 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 blah. Black pill, black pill, doom, doom, doom. But this, the trial, the trial was perfunctory. It was stuff like this that was the main get out of the Sussman trial. The breaking down of attorney-client privilege. And attorney-client privilege is how these criminals always hide their crime. Whenever they need to commit a crime, they make sure to involve an attorney of some type, a lawyer, and pass messages between the lawyer and the other criminal they're trying to do business with so that if needed, they can claim, no, those are attorney-client privilege communications. You can't get those. That's my lawyer. He's giving me legal advice. From back on May 5th, Fusion's lawyer said the firm asserted privilege over 1,500 documents, adding it also produced hundreds of documents. Fusion said the Clinton campaign, DNC, and Perkins had made judgment calls on what was privileged. The judge asked Durham, Prosecutor Jonathan Algor, whether Durham would come back for the other 1,500 documents if the judge ended up agreeing with the prosecution about these 38. Alger said not for this trial, but left the door open for the future, saying that your honor's decision is important for the investigation. Alger told the judge the Clinton campaign infusion wrongly advanced a very broad and novel theory of attorney-client privilege that opposition research is somehow protected. He pointed to fusion emails that have been released and said nothing shows any of that related to legal advice. 
Huge. Absolutely huge. And so you got to wonder. Did any of those documents get asked for in relation to this case? And they've got the money trail going through a bank in the or going through servers and banks at uh in the Eastern District of New York. It's a good thing Jonathan Alger is based in the Eastern District of New York, along with John Durham's son, by the way, who is also an attorney in the Eastern District of New York. So This right here. Pretty big friggin' deal. Pretty big deal. All right. I have... I have a couple more things to present, but I need another cup of coffee. So, let's... Let's let's reflect on what we just learned and uh, that Durham team citing in that way. Let's reflect on what we just learned a little bit and refill our coffee cups and we'll come back for another 30 minutes or so of uh, of booms from interesting information on just a moment. Let me get there we go. I think I want this. Yeah. All right. Let me, I got, I got to change my music, my sound settings for just a moment. So I I had them switched around earlier. Okay. All right. We're going to take an intermission break.
right, welcome back. Thanks for being here today, guys. Hope you all are enjoying the show. Thank you for the Rumble Rants and the uh, the Gold Pills over on Foxhole. Appreciate it very much. If you guys en- are enjoying this, uh, please consider going to buymeacupofcoffee.com slash justhuman and buy me a cup of coffee or going to justhuman.substack.com, signing up for a subscription. It's your support that makes this show possible. And uh, I really really appreciate it guys i love doing this It's great information and uh i i really enjoy presenting this information and trying to uh for the information's sake but for the uh for the purpose of spreading some positivity and uh some hope and um based on information not based on uh hopium but on actual signs that things are going in the direction that we want them to go and that there's a good there are good reasons to be uh, to be positive and to keep our chins up and to keep going. Um, really appreciate y'all support y'all. Y'all, this is an amazing community and I am very blessed to have y'all. Uh, I want to make one final comment on all that we just read about Ukraine, specifically about Ukrainian disinfo. And I didn't see any pushback in chat, but I just want to make, the comment for anybody who listens this far and is thinking that I'm excusing the Bidens or anything. I'm really, I'm literally saying there is so much disinformation coming out of Ukraine, misdis malinformation coming out of Ukraine that I'm just keeping it open. My personal opinion is that the Biden family is guilty of some crimes that they have been accused of and that they've got some swampy connections and that they did benefit from Hunter Biden's business deals and that it looks swampy and corrupt as can possibly be. And I'm open to all of that being true. I'm actually open to everything that has been allegedly on the laptop being true and being accurate. But there are several different versions of the laptop floating around. And I'm sus of them. I'm skeptical, you know, I'm of all the claims that are out there. And it has everything to do with just wanting to be careful because Trump's own administration said, hey, there's a lot of disinformation coming out of Ukraine trying to influence the 2020 election. And the only subject that they could have been referring to was this Hunter Biden stuff and the, and Joe Biden stuff It's the only thing that fits. So I'm just skeptical and I'm, I'm trying to remain in a place where I'm, open to it being accurate and being true, these claims and these allegations, very open to it, but not committed 100% sure that they are what they are, that they seem to be. Um, so no binary thinking here. I'm not trying to put a white hat or a black hat on anybody involved in it. I'm just trying to be skeptical and be sure and not fall for some disinformation. Music and fiction. Good morning, sir. I hope you might take a second to cover the shakeup in the Senate with Arizona Senator Cinema moving to independent. It's not sure she'll be caucusing with the Dems. What's your take? Well, my take is that it's awesome news. 
My take is that is awesome news because, of course, doesn't that make the Senate 50-50 now? Well, yeah, doesn't it? Not 50-50, 50-49 or something like that. Uh, I think it does. I just misspelled her name. I think it... I think it will make it where... Dems either have, I think it's 50, is it, it makes it 50, 49, I think. Yeah, how to get around paywalls. Go to archive, search the URL. There you go. There you go. In Senate shakeup. Cinema changes her party affiliation to independent. Cinema said in a video, we don't line up to do what we're told. We do what's right for our state and our country. I'm going to be the same person I've always been. With the move, Democrats will still control the Senate next year, but their hold could be less secure and give more sway to another moderate, Joe Manchin. In an op-ed in the Arizona Republic, Cinema, who has voted with President Biden more than 90% of the time, said that she never promised to be a guaranteed vote for the Democrat Party. Americans are told that we have only two choices, Democrat or Republican, and that we must subscribe wholesale to policy views the parties hold, views that have been pulled further and further toward the extremes. Most Arizonans believe this is a false choice, and when I ran for U.S. House and then the Senate... I promised Arizonans something different. Cinema, a first-term senator who has broken with her party on some key issues, did not explicitly say she will continue to caucus with Democrats in her interview with CNN. But as long as she does not caucus with Republicans, as she told Politico she wouldn't, the GOP side in the chamber would remain 49. So, Dems 50 GOP 49 and I got, I got no, um, I got no illusions about, uh, cinema that she's, she's not conservative. I'm not expecting her to be conservative, but I think that, uh, well, okay. I think a few things about this one, this doesn't help Democrats (laughs) at all. This is good. I would not be surprised to see Joe Manchin do the same thing um, at all. I would not be surprised for Joe Manchin to join her as an independent. And then we have 49-49. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Joe Manchin joins her and also goes independent. Um, She's still going to vote with the Democrats on a lot of things. So is Manchin. Possibly... The most important thing about this is that her doing this gives permission, social permission to other Democrats to acknowledge how far their party has gone. Um, That's there needs to be more of that. The 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 people, Democrats and moderates and people who are under the illusion that the Democrat party is not as extreme as they actually are. Things like this, give them permission to bring that topic up. 
So moderates and Democrats who aren't extreme left can now say, I like what Cinema's doing. Did you hear she left the Democrat Party and is going independent? I'm thinking about changing my registration to independent. It, they have they now have an end to bring this conversation up and they have social permission to move away from the extreme left of the party. Um, so I think, uh, I think this is great. This is great. Doesn't she run again? She runs again for office in 2024. So I would expect her to shift a little bit more moderate and vote with Democrats a little bit less leading up to that election or else she's going to lose. All right. Yeah, that's good news. I'm happy about that. All right, let me close these out right here. Brian Murphy says there's three independents now, Bernie, Angus King, and Cinema. But Bernie and King caucus with Democrats, so they're getting counted as the... Uh, yeah, they caucus with the Democrats, but they're independent. So now she's independent. I, man, I bet Manchin. Um, I bet Manchin goes independent soon. I really wouldn't be surprised if he did. If I if I remember right, Richard Barris said that Manchin's numbers for re-election, like it's really not looking good for him, and that's one of the reasons why he keeps shifting further further conservative and re- being more and more resistant of um of the leftward lurch of the party. Yeah. Liz Jen, uh, it's just me. Cinema will defend filibuster, which helps us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, where, where mansion and cinema are allies, they're pretty strong allies. They're good allies to have against what the rest of the Senate wants to do. It's good stuff. Yeah, Mansion's up in 24 as as well. Yeah. It's good stuff. I'm, uh, I'm excited about it. All right. That's good. More good news. All right. Now this, I didn't cover this. No, I couldn't have. This is on December 7th. Okay. Try to remember what I covered on Wednesday. All right. Check this article out. And actually, let me, um, I need to actually show y'all what I'm looking at on screen. Hold up. Oh, just a minute, because there's one other thing I got to grab. Okay, I got it. Okay. Okay. Washington Post. Items with classified markings found at Trump's storage unit in Florida. The former president's lawyers have told federal authorities no classified material was found in additional searches of Trump Tower, New York, and his golf club in Bedminster, New Jersey. Guys, there was a search of Trump Tower, New York? 
and there was a search of the golf club in Bedminster? That sounds like pretty big news. Lawyers for Donald Trump found at least two items marked classified after an outside team hired by Trump searched a storage unit in West Palm Beach, Florida, used by the former president, according to people familiar with the matter. Those items were immediately turned over to the FBI, according to those people who, like others, spoke on the condition of anonymity to discuss sensitive matters. What the? Trump has a private team that he hired to go search his properties for any additional documents? I thought I thought the FBI and DOJ were out to get Trump. I thought they were super concerned about classified documents that Trump had and what he might do with them. But they're allowing Trump to hire people to go and search the properties for them. And then what they find, they just turn over to the FBI. That seems pretty weird. The search was one of at least three searches for classified materials conducted by an outside team at Trump properties in recent weeks. After Trump's legal team was pressed by a federal judge to attest they had fully complied with a May grand jury subpoena to turn over all materials bearing classified markings. There has been a lengthy, lengthy and fierce battle between Trump's attorneys and the Justice Department in Washington. Much of the legal wrangling remains under seal by a federal judge, but people familiar with the matter say the Justice Department has raised concerns. Emails released by the General Services Administration which assists former presidents during the transition to private life, show that the government agency helped rent the storage unit at a private facility in West Palm Beach on July 21st, 2021. The unit was needed to store items that had been held at an office in Northern Virginia used by Trump staffers in the months after he left office. The emails show that the GSA and Trump staffers worked together to arrange to ship several pallets of boxes and other items weighing more than 3,000 pounds from Northern Virginia to the Florida storage unit in September 2021. A person familiar with the matter said the storage unit had a mix of boxes, gifts, suits, and clothes, among other things. Quote, it was suits and swords and wrestling belts, wrestling belts, and all sorts of things. Hey, I spy some kayfabe. I spy some kayfabe indicators there. To my knowledge, he has never even been to the storage unit. I don't think anyone in Trump world could tell you what's in the storage unit. There was no cataloging of what was put in the storage unit, Trump advisors said, just as there was no cataloging of the classified documents that were taken to a room underneath Mar-a-Lago. The Washington Post could not immediately determine specifically what was in the items marked classified. A Justice Department spokesperson declined to comment, and the FBI did not immediately respond. Do any of you guys actually believe that if the FBI and the DOJ were actually after Trump, that they would let a private team go into these places and do these searches for them. 
if the FBI and DOJ actually believed that Trump had these classified documents that were crucial to national security, that they would let an outside team go and try and find them? In addition to the storage unit, the team hired an outside company to carry out the search of Trump's golf club in Bedminster and more recently Trump Tower in New York, according to people familiar with the matter. The outside team also searched at least one other property. The team offered the FBI the opportunity to observe the search, but the offer was declined. It would be unusual for federal agents to monitor a search of someone's property conducted by anyone other than another law enforcement agency. Well, that's right, but it's also super unusual for the FBI, who's supposedly so concerned about these classified documents, to let an outside outside private firm go and look for classified documents. How how many signs do you need to see that DOJ is not after Trump? How how many signs, like how many indicators do there need to be before everyone realizes that DOJ is not after Trump and they're not super concerned with these classified docs and that the news is fake and you got to stop believing this fake news now. There's more. There's more. Also from the Washington Post the next day. Justice Department asked judge to hold Trump team in contempt over Mar-a-Lago case. Hold Trump team in contempt. Now, you may have noticed, you may have seen some news articles going around yesterday, especially the conservative media world, saying that Justice Department wants to hold Trump in contempt. Trump in legal trouble. Justice Department asked judge to hold Trump legally to account or something. You may have seen a bunch of fake news going around the conservative incorporated media yesterday related to this, all based on this article. CNN did the same thing. Justice Department wants Trump held in contempt. Walls are closing in. That's not what the article says. But if you just read the headline, it's easy to get that impression. It pays to read the article, though. So, since I'm on Twitter... I'm on Twitter at Real Just Human. If you want to give me a follow over there, at Real Just Human. I did a thread. And it kind of felt good to do a thread on Twitter. Um, might start doing that more often, although I am, Twitter's not entirely safe yet. So I'm trying to be careful with what I post over there. But I've never been banned off Twitter so far so they can't get me for ban evasion i just i'm just nervous about their algorithm pinging me and getting me kicked off because things are things are changing over there for the better but it's not quite safe for uh for all discussions that i would like to have on twitter but this thread is safe i think 
you got to read. This is about that article I just showed you right here. You got to read this with your fake news filters on and with an eye for detail. Justice Department asked judge to hold Trump team in contempt over Mar-a-Lago case. Donald Trump's office is who they're after, meaning the lawyers. Prosecutors have urged a federal judge to hold Donald Trump's office in contempt of court for failing to fully comply with a May subpoena to return all classified documents in his possession, according to people familiar with the matter. Justice Department lawyers have asked U.S. District Judge Beryl A. Howe to hold Trump's office in contempt, according to people familiar, who spoke on the condition of anonymity to describe sealed court proceedings. By the way, I think all leaks coming out of this are arranged by Trump and team. I think every leak having that's coming out of this, these anonymous interviews, are purposeful leaks. Remember, the leaks are real, but the news is fake. Quote, Trump... Trump legal team's repeated refusal to designate a custodian of records to sign a document attesting that all classified materials have been returned. That's the rub. One of the key areas of disagreement centers on the Trump legal team's repeated refusal to designate a custodian of records to sign a document attesting that all classified materials have been returned to the federal government, according to two of these, those people. The Justice Department has repeatedly sought an unequivocal sworn written assurance from Trump's team that all such documents have been returned and Trump's team has been unwilling to designate a custodian of records to sign such a statement while giving assurances that they have handed all the documents back. I was under the impression that Christina Bob was first this custodian of records person. She signed the search warrant and the uh, um, and the property receipt at the raid. But I guess she's not. And then I had thought Cash Patel was the person. I know he was named as Donald Trump's like representative to NARA or something like that. But Cash Patel must not be the person who's selected as a custodian of records for this. Um, and Cash Patel has testified to the grand jury under a limited immunity agreement. So something's a little, something's a little weird here, um, but they want this document to be signed saying that they've returned all these, all this stuff. And I don't blame them for nobody wanting to sign it. You could get, that's a, you could get trapped by, by the FBI for doing something like that. Right. So, now, here's, the, here's a line in this story that tells you, that gives you the wink. Trump spokesman, Steve Chung, Stephen Chung, said the former president's lawyers, quote, continue to, co-op- continue to cooperate and transparent. Continue to cooperative and transparent. That sentence says, continue to cooperative and transparent. Probably a typo. But then he added, this is a political witch hunt unlike this country has ever seen, unlike anything this country has ever seen. Witch hunt, witch hunt is Trump world code for we're out to get Hillary. That's the witch. It's not witch hunt as in fake Salem witch trials. It's witch hunt as in this is part of the hunt to get Hillary. She's the witch. Whenever you see Trump use witch hunt, if you will instead Think of it as being about getting Hillary. It'll completely change your perception 
of what he is saying. And things will make a lot more sense. DOJ is so out to get Trump that they aren't even searching these places themselves, but are instead allowing Trump to use a private team that he hired. Yep, they are really, really, really worried about those classified docs. And that covers the, what I just talked about, the West Palm Beach, Florida, the Bedminster, and the Trump Tower searches. Some of Trump's lawyers are also wary of making any claim under oath based on Trump's word alone. The government's request for a finding of contempt underscores the fundamental distrust that has existed since the spring between the government trying to retrieve sensitive documents and a former president whose responses have proven untrustworthy. See, there's the fake news, guys. There's the fake news. They're saying the government doesn't trust Trump and his team and that they're trying to get these documents, but Trump has proven untrustworthy. No, if if there were if there was so much distrust between the DOJ and Trump team, then why are they allowing Trump to use private teams to go search these properties for classified documents? These are completely contradictory. What is actually happening is completely contradictory to what the paper is claiming here. That's the fake news right here. That's the fake news. Now, Conservative Incorporated ran with this story. They're out to get Trump. The walls are closing in. He's going to be held in contempt. But get this. If the judge were to agree and hold Trump's team in contempt, most likely it would be a daily fine. a daily fine until they turned over whatever other documents they're supposed to turn over. So all that fake news going around about how this is it for Trump. He's going to get held in contempt of court. DOJ is going to stick it to him with this crooked DC judge. When all it's going to amount to is a daily fine until DOJ says, okay, yeah, we got all the documents we needed. And that's how fake news works. That's how the fake news works. And both MSM and conservative incorporated media peddle it all day long. And they rely on you to just read the headline. Maybe, maybe the first two paragraphs. That's what they rely on, that you'll do that and you won't bother to read the meat of the story and all the way down at the very last line where it says, if the judge were to agree, the most likely scenario would be a daily fine until the demands of the contempt motion are met. Big whoop. Big whoop. All right. Almost time for the show to be over. Got just a couple other things I'll hit on real quick. If anybody has a question or something they want, they want to ask me, now's the time to post it in chat and I can try and get it before I have to go. Um, 
Last thing I was going to hit a couple things was there were some new sanctions. No, that's not it. That's not the right sanctions. There were new sanctions yesterday or the day before. What is it? Where, where are they at? That's 90 individuals over human rights abuse. There was something else. There's some human rights abuse sanctions today. Is it this one? This has to do with G7. I don't think it was this one. There was some other sanction that came out that I, I noticed that I thought was remarkable. The um, Supreme Court did hear the uh, independent state legislature's theory on Wednesday, which um, you may remember that's that North Carolina case, which this is kind of a misnomer, independent state legislature. I mean, the state legislature, according to the Constitution, they decide how elections are run, not the courts and not the federal government. And that's what the case is about. Um, on the basics. So this article from SCOTUS blog, I shared it on my uh, socials. It's a good article. And their take is that it seemed like some conservative justices were interested or open to what was being presented in this case. Others were not. The, a decision on this case is expected in June. I think it's going to be favorable I'm not exactly expecting them to 100% the conservative court to 100% back what is being argued here, but I am expecting the the court to go closer to this and to make a ruling that shores up what the constitution says in regards to elections and the state legislatures having control of their own elections. Um, I think this case, this is more V Harper. You've probably heard of it. I think this is going to go very well. But we're not going to hear anything about it until this coming June. Well, unless there's another leak, of course. So I'm not, I saw some people when I shared this article, they were like, because because of the headline, again, the headline, court seems unwilling to embrace broad version of independent state legislature theory. But in these hearings, the court, <clears throat> they're trying to do tassiomancy, which I understand. They're trying to do, they're trying to like read the, read the expressions and judge by the questions that the the judges are asking the attorneys. And yeah, you can get a read on where individual judges stand on that, but I, that's not everything The the judges are asking questions and they're, they're trying to get information from the attorneys and it doesn't necessarily indicate where they stand on the issue. You can get a little bit of a read or a little bit of an indication, but don't put too much weight into the questions they're asking unless they straight up, unless they like, you know, five of them straight up chew the attorney out. Um, anyway, I'm hopeful on this case. I think more V Harper is going to go well. Okay. Jason, thank you very much for the rumble rant. They ask reminds me of when Anon's watching the plane spotted a series of DOJ flights rotating through little rock, Arkansas, some years back. They normally do their own searches. Currently is all off. Yeah. Yep. I remember that. Um, well, I don't remember Anon's doing it because I wasn't paying that much attention to Anon's at the time, but I remember the stories about DOJ flights going out in and out of Little Rock. And <laughs> all that evidence, all that evidence is just waiting to be used. 
It's waiting to be used. All right, T Giglioli 58 is the bonus hour for 159 Post Anywhere. No, I did not record a bonus hour. I said I would, and I didn't do it. Other things came up. Namely, I went on EQ Chamber um, and did an interview with uh, Johnny and Diddy, and um, Absolute 1776 was on with me. It was a good show if you're interested. It's over here on EQ Chamber on Rumble. I'm going to find it right here. Um, I did that last night. I will record a bonus hour. What I'm going to do a bonus hour on is Rivera, um, the swampy Republican who was indicted and arrested this week because it actually connects to a whole lot of stuff. Um, This right here, feds arrest former Miami Congressman Rep. David Rivera. And it's it actually probably will take me an hour to go through it. So I will record if I can, I'm going to record it tonight. Um, It's just been one of those weeks where there's either been something going on with the kids in the evening or my wife had a uh, she had a class on Tuesday evening, I think it was or Wednesday, one or the other. And then, uh, yeah, so it's totally it's totally on me. It's totally on me. I said I would do a bonus hour and I haven't done it, but there will be one. It'll just be it'll come out over the weekend. So, and then if I get through, if I get through Rivera, if I get through this, I might cover the, uh, um, the next part of the Twitter files because we had more Twitter files come out last night. Um, all right. I see your comment, Miss Lori. What did D82 ask? D82, how do you see it playing out where all the Russian evidence presented to the UN is reconciled in the U.S. public eye? I don't know. Um, I don't know. I think that we have a long way to go to overcome the Russophobia that has been programmed into the American psyche for decades. I think, I think we got a long way to go um, to get people to accept evidence coming from Russia. So current news media is going to do a blackout of it. Um, and I just honestly think the American people aren't ready. They aren't ready. They aren't ready to uh, to see all that stuff. Um, so it's going to need to be bit by bit. And yeah, Pentagon Inspector General. That's a yeah. I mean, that's a that's a possibility. There are. I mean, we are auditing Ukraine money, and Inspector Generals are looking at Ukraine money that's going over there. And so, and then we have a Nazi hunter appointed by DOJ to investigate war crimes in Ukraine. It seems like a lot of things are lined up so that we could see some of the evidence of Ukrainian crimes and, uh, which is going to relate to what Russia has presented at the UN, relate to bio labs and all that stuff. It seems like there's a couple of things pointing in that direction that could develop or seeded towards that, that could, grow into 
a a revelation and a reveal that comes back and gets into the American public. But we do we have a long way to go. Um, I'm hopeful that one. I'm hopeful that within my lifetime, it will be apparent to all Americans that the Russians are our natural allies in the world, um, and that there's been a a globalist scheme to pit Russia and the U.S. against each other for decades and decades. Um, and that bad actors within both countries have taken advantage of that. Um, but we got a ways to go. And that's got to undo the programming. So. All right, guys, I have, that's all I got for the show. It is time for me to, to bounce out of here and go, go get my kid from school and go back on dad duty. Um, I will rip the audio from this and put it up on my Substack as a podcast. If you're interested in getting the show as a podcast, my Substack, just human.substack.com is the way to, uh, is the way to get that stay positive. And if you like, if you like this show, um, Go to my Rumble Clips channel, Just Human Clips. It's the it's linked in the description over on Rumble. If you go to my Clips channel, um, I take clips from the show that are in smaller chunks of presentations, so you can share that with people and see if you can get them interested in watching the full show. I will clip out my presentation presentation on Dare Catch for sure, and um, maybe my presentation on the special counsel and Trump DOJ fake fight. And I will put that on my clips channel later today. So uh, thank you guys very much. Y'all have been really supportive of me. And I know a lot of people have bought honey and bought soap and um, other things from BensonHoneyFarms.com. And they've used rep code just human when they did it. Sincerely appreciate that, guys. Sincerely appreciate it. Um, y'all, are, y'all are an awesome community. And I am very blessed to be able to present this stuff to y'all. Watch for my bonus hour. It'll pop up on Rumble and as a podcast on my Substack. Y'all stay blessed. Be positive. Remember, we're not going to win every battle, but we are going to win this war. Have a great weekend.